0: Thrilled to welcome you to another episode of Zach's Speakeasy Where you can step behind the bookcase, hear some inside stories, and all about drinks of choice Now, your host, Zach Hill Hey man, welcome to a new episode of The Speakeasy I don't say my first name, that'd be weird I don't do that. So, welcome to the Speakeasy. I am Zach. Follow us on Instagram at Zach's Speakeasy. We're on Untapped. Follow the journey of brews we drink and how we rate them. What got a three? What has a five? Find out. Just go to Untapped and follow Zach's Speakeasy. And on this week's episode, I have a tremendous guest. He is a friend. He is a director. He is a filmmaker. Uh, it's the one and only Matt Birchfield. Hi, Matt. Hi. On this episode, we're going to talk to my main man, Matt, about all kinds of things. Uh, movie making, film sets he's been on, stuff like that. But before we get there, we're going to have to do this drink of choice thing. And, uh, I talked to you about certain options, uh, how I wanted to go different. And you actually suggested that you were going to bring a beer from your favorite brewery in richmond yes favorite and if anybody knows me i'm not a richmond guy i do think richmond has fine breweries but i don't think this is one that i've been to so tell the fine folks what we are drinking
1: so we are drinking ernesto's ale okay like a winter i guess a winter ipa okay uh and it's from a brew pub in richmond called the answer
0: Okay, so looking at the can, it's a delightful little can because you said winter and it screams Christmas. Yeah, because it's red. It's got uh, these uh, little stars that are green. Is supposed to be mistletoe. I, kiss me. Yeah. Um, yeah. But let me tell you, I can't read anything on the can. But I'm glad you saw all these things. Well, okay, so it's on the side. Okay, see, I'm used to, like, the actual pattern, but if you look to the... It's on the shaft of the (laughs) can. It's on the shaft. The silver shaft, yes. It actually reads it out. It is a tin. We're dealing with the tin here. Yeah. Uh, ABV, which is exciting. My favorite. The higher, the better. It's 16 ounces. It looks like one of those limited uh, series IPAs. Right. So the color of the actual beer is very, like, dark gold amber. And that's it, delicious. All right. Let me smell this bad boy. Okay. Okay. And it's a, what kind is it? It's IPA? Yeah. No. Well, I mean, it's, I ale. It's, no it's ale. No, it's ale. It's a red
1: ale. It's a but red ale. I'm sorry, it was okay, was
0: under the that IPA listing. There it is. Okay. It's a red ale. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's good. Oh. I like that.
1: It's very different.
0: It has a lot of tastes. Yeah. Like, when you go into it, I definitely taste the ale, Yeah. but then the, like, the back half of this thing has a, like, bite.
1: Yeah, like a lemon bite.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. There's some spices up in this thing.
1: Yeah, I think there's cinnamon. Yeah. What's interesting is, like, so one of the reasons I like the answer, I'm not a huge dark beer fan. Yes. But they do have amazing dark beers. Like, I'm talking... uh, I mean, it rotates quickly. They're batches, but they'll use like Blantons and mix it in, and you'll have like a. They had a German chocolate stout that was great.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, as of Friday, they had a cinnamon toast churro stout that was amazing. What? Which, yeah, I drank like ten ounces of that. No problem. <laughs> um, no problem. They had a butterfinger chow- uh, stout, chocolate butterfinger, and so like I. Traditionally, don't like dark beers, but right. I go here and I'm like, well, these are great. You know, I'll get like their flights and get two dessert beers. And then yeah. the other thing is their fruit beers, instead of just being sours, are actual fruit beers. So like you're talking like you've got smoothie mixes, you've got like uh, they call them uh, bees cake for some reason. It's like a, a, you know, a cheesecake okay. mix type deal. And okay. you've just got, you know, beers that are like four berries and like, wow, they're great. It's it's different than anything i've i've ever had
0: well i've been to richmond a few times through their like is it the veil vale they mm. have up there yeah i've been through there. the veil is great yeah uh a classy glass that they give you the, that they serve the beer in so yeah. i give them props for that but like i've never been to the answer is it new uh, i don't know if or, it's new okay um
1: i feel like it's been there for at least a couple years okay but yeah it's it's off broad street Kind of in okay,
0: area. so it's in the city of Richmond. Yes. Okay. See the yeah. like the veil that outskirts yeah, area. It's like, hang out. That's okay. Out yeah.
1: Okay. This, this is in the city.
0: Well, let me tell you, the answer is it's getting the call, and they got the yeah. answer. And they got
1: good food too.
0: Oh, really? So, do they make their own food, or is it is it like food truck? It's their own food. Oh, wow. Well, okay.
1: Yeah.
0: All right. Well, this amber is definitely delish. I'm glad you brought it. Um. Yeah. Yeah. No, this is really good. And it being limited is also intriguing because it's like, whenever I deal with limited beers, I feel like you can always find something like it that they produced throughout the year so i feel like this is just a take on something they already put out
1: yeah like certain breweries that are like hey we're just gonna smash this with some cereal flavoring yeah really it's our you know
0: yeah it's what whatever the brand is yeah, like yeah. You, i uh, spoke about it on one of our episodes uh recently where it's like virginia beer company they made pumpkin patches right it was the first episode and like that's just the playoff elbow patches right so, I feel like this is also in that same I bet they have another beer I'd like to try because ale is a okay with me yeah. um, but you work in Richmond a lot, right like that's where you're based at
1: well no i I used to okay, uh, yeah, for about four years, most of my work was Richmond,
0: yeah. And That's a hell of a drawer. So is that kind of like you just fell on it?
1: Well, no. This actually, I actually found about this place since I have started working closer to home. So okay. the, the office I work out of is in Williamsburg. Now. Yeah. Um, and a lot of our, like half of our, I'd say it's maybe 60-40 mm-hmm. as far as the percentage of where people are coming from to our office. Because Williamsburg, for people who are listening from afar, is in between two kind of major, not metropolitan, but population centers in Virginia right uh, we call it metropolitan but bless our hearts um, <laughs> so basically you have ha- like half our department comes down from Richmond yeah. the other half comes up from Norfolk Virginia Beach right Hampton Roads right uh, and I, you know so I went here with some of the people I work with who are from Richmond mm-hmm. and uh, yeah so now it's like my favorite place the Vale is my other is my Go close second I mean because there's one in Norfolk so I love going there
0: you know what I thought I saw Vale in Norfolk yeah. and it kind of weirded me out because I thought it was in Richmond and then I had a seizure. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like I'm right. digging breweries like expanding their right. their shops. So have you been to the one in Norfolk?
1: Yeah, I go I go there quite a bit. Okay. Um, because it's another place where you can get interesting beers, Where, I, Yeah. You know, they have their fruit beers aren't quite sours. They're right. smooth, smoothie style. Right. And I like I like sours, but sour is something I'm only going to drink like a four ounce pour of.
0: Yeah, it's not one I go to either. Right. It's just too, too... yeah. Yeah, that taste is just too dominant, and I don't want that for like a four pack.
1: Right. Whereas at the Vale, you know, they're they're more adventurous...
0: Uh, Their hazies, I remember being very
1: good. They've got a couple German styles. Yeah. Uh, And then their darks. Uh, They had a a dessert dark event, you know, just where they were Mm -hmm. pushing a lot of those last week. And I tried some of them. They were were pretty good. Uh, But, yeah, the answer answer Hmm. is, uh, is impressive.
0: It's been your favorite. So, you brought it up right there where, like... People will call these cities metropolitan and stuff like that, and it's funny because like whenever I see you working now, Matt is a filmmaker. You work also for companies that need to make videos for stuff and yada yada. Right. But you travel a lot, yeah. And one of my like questions I want to come in with is like, I hate. When Richmond or Norfolk makes like when they call them cities, right. you've been to cities. You've been to Chicago's, the New Yorks, and stuff like that. Are these just like lower-looking versions of that? Uh,
1: no. When you're talking Chicago, and New York, I mean, there's just there's a different infrastructure there.
0: Um, I just feel like there's different levels of cities right if you could if you could actually say like i i just recently drove the florida and we were going through jacksonville okay. and when you look at jacksonville it's huge that, i'm talking that, th- th- i mean it's big there's the arenas are big and stuff like that and when i think of like norfolk and richmond there's like scopes like the right. scope the coliseum they're little venues but they don't look anything like these huge ones at big areas, and right. so I just feel like when people talk about cities and stuff, it's kind of laughable around here.
1: Oh, it is! Like if, if you think about Miami, which is one of my favorite cities to travel to, it's.
0: Do you it, listen it, to Will Smith yeah. while you go to Miami? Yeah, <laughs> it's just
1: Wild Wild West, and it, I'm just, <laughs> I just. I'm just playing it a lot while children are trying to sleep on the airplane. <laughs>
0: Um, You bring a speaker box.
1: (laughs) Uh, No, like Miami is interesting because like you go to the ocean front in Miami and a lot of it looks like the ocean front in Virginia
0: Beach. Oh, really?
1: But then you go into other parts of Miami and you're like, okay, I
0: get it. Oh, so this is real.
1: Things are bigger. Mm -hmm. Like It's uh, like Miami has its own. We have a a, a neighborhood in Norfolk called for listeners. It's called Ghent. And it's like, it's a fun type of artistic neighborhood. You've got to like an old uh, rep movie house there. You've got a brewery or two. You've got, you know, locally owned restaurants. And it's it's kind of the art center, like, you know. Uh, but, man, you go to Miami, and they've got their own version called Wynwood. And it's just, like... Smacks it down. Smacks it down. You've got an actual <laughs> speakeasy inside a taco restaurant. <sighs> um, you've got, like, uh, breweries that are, like, you know, locally owned, like, with dancing and, like... Uh, the people are all really nice. It's it's like like, life. Like like, lively. Yeah. Okay. It's like if you mixed like what we think of Ghent with Fast and the Furious. It's just (laughs) cool. But I mean yeah. It's a
0: bunch of emo kids walking around saying family? No. I mean people are saying family. Oh man, that sounds fun. Like I I went to Miami to get on a cruise. But I never traveled around, so this is very interesting to hear about.
1: Yeah, like because I was, I found that because I was priced out of like South Beach. Okay, and it was funny. I say priced out. I wasn't paying for anything. Mm-hmm. Like it was all expensed, but I was staying in the hotel from uh, Goldfinger, the, the Fontainebleau.
0: Shut the front door. Yeah.
1: And like it's like a, it's supposed to be a big deal hotel, and I guess it kind of is. It's expensive, right? But you go in, and the rooms are actually like I don't think they've updated it since connery was
0: there. <laughs> well, they've left the pristine. It's just part of it. the god.
1: So yeah, I guess they left like his urine on. The <laughs> of
0: it. Um,
1: and you now go they back,
0: removed my DNA. I'm not
1: gonna take my sperm out of these walls. Um, but no, you go back, and it's like it's like being on MTV's Beach Week, and everyone is just like spending a lot of money, and I'm just like. All right, this is cool, but I literally just paid twenty dollars for a fruit and yogurt parfait. Right. I'm gonna. I, so I was like asking around, and somebody's like, "Go to Winwood," and and like, uh, so I went to Winwood, and that was much more my vibe. And I think that's probably all cities.
0: You know? Yeah, there, are and it took a while to find that around here. Yeah. I mean, it's really funny because I do find myself going to Williamsburg more, right, and stuff, and getting away from cities. Like I do like that rural look. Yeah. But like very lively again, like yeah. at least in what we have,
1: yeah, because Virginia Beer Company is a nice place to go,
0: yeah, it, it really is. But there are, I mean, Billsburg in Williamsburg is nice, don't mind that. <laughs> it's huh? just ghosts going it's around, it's just
1: Craig T. Nelson trying to get it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you moved the bodies, you didn't yeah. move the headstones. Wow. Well, it's it's mainly because yeah. See, I have uh, electric uh, problems here yeah. because like my my house was built. The speakeasy was built in the '60s, yeah. And I'm updating it with technology from today, so yeah. There's going to be some bumps. I
1: think it's great that you're honest about that, though. Yeah. Why not? I, 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 no, I was thinking about that, like how we've gotten honest about like pro, like just on. I see it on social media more now, and people are like. Hey, I'm having this problem. This sucks. Yeah. And I love that, that we're not just hiding it like, oh, no, everything's fine. <laughs> My estate is fine. It's like, no, no, everything's terrible in its own way. And we're just, you know, we're just rolling with it. It's great.
0: Well, I definitely think social media is a, yeah, at the beginning, and they're through still it's showing the best of right that's what that every single version of that like i had i had a twitter um i had a facebook i i haven't used facebook in eight years i think i think i've been off of it for a while i don't think so i think it's still the same thing
1: yeah
0: did i ever tell you why i left facebook no okay so it's a few mutuals that we know in off air i don't know who listens. But off air, I'll let you know. But I tested the waters one day of just I wanted to make a post, and I told Brooke this. I said I'm going to make a post, and I'm going to see who replies, and I want then I want I want to get the reactions because I'm not I'm not a political guy. I'm not what I love is very Ford. I mean, everybody knows I love movies and stuff like that. So I was like, I'm going to make this movie comment. I want to see the response and literally it was like 16 people that came on and just wanted to like cut the legs under here's me
1: here's the question was it a positive take no a or a negative take? oh my
0: mine was a positive take okay that's interesting so it was about that. okay so it was a positive take and everybody that came in was negative Okay, it was like blah 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 blah, blah. and again because you are you are part of a film world here it was a lot of people in that film centric place. Well, I hope it wasn't th- it was- No, it <laughs> wasn't. <laughs> Surprise! It was me this that is Alright, so is in 2014 me. you told me <laughs> God,
1: it's about Force Awakens. I'm sorry.
0: No. <laughs> um, no, no, no. I forget what it was, basically, but it was definitely a mutual of ours that came on. It was two or three, honestly. And I was like, that's it. That's it. I can't have an opinion about something and someone come on and say something negative. Yeah. And that's why I was like, I got to get rid of this. And then when Twitter is about same kind of thing, no one really truly knows you Mm -hmm. and then they just light you on fire. Oh, yeah, yeah. And what's really kind of great about that, and I was going to save this for a solo episode, but it's quick enough to say this. I just recently went to Florida. There was a person that attacked me viciously from Twitter. They work at Universal Studios Florida and I saw them and like they know who I am and I had the most pleasant conversation with didn't bring up any hate or anything like just hey this that the other thing have a great day you too
1: i'm imagining it being like an alfred hitchcock impersonator <laughs>
0: <laughs> Good evening. <laughs>
1: hello.
0: hello let's take a photo for your fam <laughs> but like what's funny about that like what kept running in my head it was like oh man i could go to universal right now and say this person made me feel uncomfortable This person attacked me on a social media and I don't like them and get them fired. Yeah, probably. But like, that's what my problem with social media is, is that it's a bunch of people just living fake lives and not living in a real world.
1: Right. Well, I think the interactions are, are like, are definitely, it's that thing. It's like, okay. Would I talk to this person that way in person? And a lot of times with me, it's a yes. Because I'm a, you know, a somewhat forthright person. But here's the thing like, uh, my new rule with film stuff is Mm -hmm. like, if someone has a positive take, good for them. Right. The only time I'll like chime in is if it's a negative take on something Mm -hmm. and I disagree. And it's like someone's like just bashing a movie. I'm like, well, hey, you know, maybe this is actually pretty good about it. Like, Mm -hmm. if someone likes, um, yeah, what is it that people like a lot? Team they, Wolf Two. Team Wolf Two.
0: Caddyshark 2? Yeah, no. Yeah, no, like, <laughs> no um, I really do love Team Wolf Two. That's Okay. There you I go. Love like it.
1: I love not I don't know anything about Team Wolf Two. But I mean it's it's maybe it's it's more this the, the Star Wars thing now. Like, uh it's yeah. like I'm not, because that ties into something you talked about before. Okay. Like on your last episode, which was like what are things you've kind of fallen out of love
0: with. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um
1: but Yeah, yeah, okay, cool. If you're really into Mandalorian and you love it and you want to post about it all the time and you think it's cool, good for you. That's not hurting me. Right. Like, it's not like you're out there, like, promoting, like, Lenny installs Triumph of Will or something. Or you're, like, promoting some <laughs> sort of hate speech. Like, yeah, right. maybe then we'd, like, disagree.
0: Yeah, then I'm going to good. thumbs down your post. Yeah, right. but
1: like, okay, cool. You're enjoying it. Good. Right. Like, what is it? It doesn't hurt me.
0: Right. What do you think that is? What do you think... Brings people to do that because it is very interesting of movie aspects where Star Wars, Star Wars has gone from just being three movies, to six movies yeah. to nine movies into a multi watchable thing a year now. Just like and like Marvel never had that problem. Marvel, yeah. like from Git was like we're going to yeah,
1: they up we're going
0: to make some movies, yeah. and then when we can make more movies, we will. And when we can go to TV, we'll do that too. And no one seems to have a like issue with it. But ever since Disney took over, it does feel like there's this off balance with it. And I feel like a lot of franchises. I mean, look at the Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters only has four movies. Right. And that's the same thing. Like,
1: Yeah, that's that's especially interesting. Ugh. Oh. Um, I think it's some of the same thing. Like, there's this... And I come back to this. Like, it's cool that people enjoy this stuff, but as, like, a filmmaker and someone who's, like, was inspired by those movies as a youth, mm-hmm. my question always is, is, like, all right, well, what's the next thing we're going to inspire people with? Right. And I don't mean, like... Because I... There are plenty of people who were inspired by watching Star Wars in 77 and went on to careers and in revolutionizing the industry, right. I don't think there are going to be a lot of people who saw The Force Awakens and are like, oh, I wanted to make movies. Mm-hmm. So,
0: you don't think that's possible?
1: Oh, I'm sure it's possible. Oh, okay. But I mean, like, you know, what's... Well, you think about what's inspired people the most recently. You think about stuff that kind of, like, came out of nowhere.
0: Okay. So would you say it's safe to say it's, like no one looks at last jedi not not nobody i'm not saying that but last jedi wouldn't get someone to make a film but maybe knives out would yeah or lupa sure like that's a more that's
1: that's a good example i mean because knives out is like this this fun uh you know well-written detective story right lots of characters and you've got some creative some creative filmmaking yeah um and of course, there's creative filmmaking in Last Jedi, even if I oh, don't, yeah. even if I don't think the movie's the best. I think like, there's some great stuff in there.
0: Yeah. yeah. Like, I, I I, mean, we have so much content now where, like, it's hard to go back to things. I feel like when we were younger, it's easy yeah. to just constantly be like, oh, I'm going to go back and watch Back to the Future and stuff like that. And because yeah. that's habit, I can still do that. But, like, I look at, you know, my kids, you know, I look at teen, you know, I don't see him going back. Yeah, and watching things, nostalgia doesn't seem like a a take. It seems like whatever your thing is, you should be hopeful that they continue to make that thing.
1: Right. I guess. I guess maybe for for kids his age, Stranger Things will be like a, a bit of a
0: the a callback. Missed. Yeah, because it's interesting. Mm-hmm. Like for us, like we watch it. Oh, the callback like, is the callback. The Callback is the callback. <laughs> right. But for kids,
1: it's like okay, this is this is a good show. This mm-hmm. is like something. I, I mean, because my my son likes Stranger Things. So. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, it's weird. I mean, we're, we're at like a, we never thought about, we thought about like in terms of, of the creation of this stuff, like, you know, the silent era, you had the golden era, you, and you had the postmodern era, which is like everything. Right. And, and um, but we never thought about that in terms of viewership and how like audiences would respond to things. Right. Um, I don't know. It's, it's been, what's been interesting has been watching how Dune has played out.
0: Okay. Because I don't know if you
1: remember, a month before Dune came out, everyone was shitting on that. What? Yeah. Everyone was like, oh, it just looks too dreary, there's there's no color, blah, blah, blah. I I mean, just, oh, it's another, you know, Messiah movie. And that, you know, okay, cool. The color palette is limited uh, Mm -hmm. in certain aspects. It is about a Messiah character, um, that type of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, But then it came out, everyone's like oh, shit, this is a great movie. This right. might be one of the best movies of the year. And all of a sudden, the discourse is completely different. Right. The same people who were like, I'm not interested in this movie at all, are like, oh, man, can't wait for this sequel to come out.
0: Right. Um, Thank God it got greenlit.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I think maybe now, looking back, kind of cynically, it's like, ah, they were waiting for the first week because that's going to give them a second weekend bump because yep. they announced the sequel.
0: Yep. Um. Oh, good call. That's definitely a business move.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah it's just
0: fine. Everybody does. I mean, that's... Let's be honest. Movie making is a business. It absolutely like is. it's hilarious to me when like fans really get uproary being like, "Oh, I want this. Yes, I want that." They don't care. They don't. They don't. They're trying to fill a paycheck. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying that like movies aren't made because someone wants to make them, but overall, if you something you love, it's because they want to get paid for what they're doing.
1: Right. Trying to generate as much income as possible. Yeah, for the Illuminati. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, the
0: clitoral, <laughs> the the clitoral Illuminati. Yeah, obviously. Which, hey, congratulations on your promotion. Okay. Um, you should see the hat.
1: It's got a little. <laughs> God, I bet it's a It's very thing. tactile.
0: I thought you were going to bring it.
1: Yeah. No, you, you can't show. What, oh. Yeah.
0: Out oh, to it's a very eyes wide shut scenario. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Is Fidelio the password?
1: No, the password is just uh,
0: you know. Well, don't put it on air. I don't want. It. Oh no. Um, but it, you know the reason why we can get into this kind of movie talk, if you will, is because you are a filmmaker. Like I said from the get go, and I mean that's how we met. I was doing a local show right. here, the issues, um, and then we've worked on many a projects of like uh, we did. I mean obviously you directed Killer Reunion bro but the uh, the bust which was a 48 hour uh movie no not forty. what is it called Forty-fort? short yeah Forty-forty but hours, 40 hours film, film fest yeah, yeah 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 and we'll get into that in a second of the 48 um I how did you Matt Birchfield get into making movies uh
1: okay no yeah I was I was like a lot of people. I uh, in high school I was very like going in high school very sports oriented. Um, and I, I found myself kind of like I was really I just you know like playing basketball. And I found myself kind of losing interest in that. And okay. I had a friend who was like, "Hey, you're a, you're a really good smartass. You should come audition for this play." <laughs> and I didn't know I didn't know anything about that. I'd been to plays before, right. you know, and I'd watched a lot of movies, but I'd never thought about acting. And, uh, went and auditioned and, uh, got a role in the crucible because yep. it was cool. My school did like real plays. We weren't doing like
0: uh, a little shop of horrors.
1: little, I, mean, I don't know. A little shop of horrors is popular. I mean, it's it good. I have no idea. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, we weren't doing, like, The Wizard of Oz every
0: year. Right, 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 right. The mainstays that people do. We
1: did an Arthur... I mean, my first play was an Arthur Miller play about, you know, the Red Scare, basically. <laughs> that's, what, that's what The Crucible is about. It's set in The Witch Trials, but it's really about the Red Scare, I guess. Right. Um, and I got on stage, and I started doing the work, and I was like, I really enjoy this. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was the weird part, is that I found, like, it didn't feel like a drag to be going through all the process. Like, mm-hmm. you know, when you're, I mean, when you're training for a sport... sometimes it feels like a drag even if you love the result it's like man I am tired of lifting I'm tired of running right but with this it was like oh you're doing all this work and I'm like this is great
0: this is fun work
1: this is fun I'm like okay right and so I kind of got the interest from that and then like what happened was there was a what had happened was what happened there was a play that I just there wasn't a good role for me in it and I ended up I had a small role a few small roles but I ended up assistant directing co-directing it and then I got to direct the play and I was like Okay. I got control of everything. This is great. Right. Like I get to, I get to deal with not you just my everybody. Role, I get to deal with every role in the play.
0: Right. Um and that's not even from like the aspect of like just on stage. Like you're talking about like talking the sound people. The you're lighting. talking the lighting. Yeah. You're talking about the grips and costumes. Costumes. You like you have say in everything.
1: Yeah, and I was like, This is awesome. Right. Uh so then at one point I saw a movie. Uh it was in theaters at the time, it was people realize how old I am. Yeah. It's fine.
0: 40 <laughs> is the new 12. Um, Whatever you came about. I went to the movies. And I went to see a little thing. It was going to age me, 40-year-old virgin. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that would yeah, be great. That I'd, would be I'd, awesome.
1: That would be, be <laughs> No, I saw uh, Terrence Malick's The Thin Red Line.
0: Which is Ooh. A, it's a war film. That's a, 1998?
1: 1998. Okay. It, it came out end of 98. So it it was awards release in theaters January 99, because that's when I saw it. Okay, I remember. Yeah. Uh, Because they actually started showing Mighty Joe Young at first, and I was really confused. (laughs) Which, Mighty Joe Young is a tiny King Kong movie, like a tiny version of King Kong, and it has Charlize Theron. I don't... Go watch it if you want. Charlize Theron's a treat. But, point is, (laughs) they eventually put the right movie on, and it's Thin Red Line, and it's this movie that's just basically... It's a a two-hour long, a little bit over two hours of a poem. Mm. about mankind and it uses war as a backdrop and it's beautifully shot shot Mm -hmm. by John Toll um, and it's got a Hans Zimmer score Mm. and it's Mm. just amazing and I was like wait a minute you're telling me (laughs) that you can do this stuff Mm -hmm. this is something you can do Mm -hmm. like you don't you're not confined to a stage so you know when I went to college my my emphasis switched and it went into film wow
0: okay so you you were a play guy at first yeah Then you went into movies, and so when you went to college, see, I I feel like you got hit on the right side because like when I was younger and I wanted to be a wrestler, took me ten years to get into wrestling because I I didn't know you could find schools for this and stuff like that. Even filmmaking, like I've always I was in drama, I did acting and stuff like that, but like I never knew that's where I could go. Yeah. You know what I mean? So how did you find out like you could go to college and be like, yep, oh man, they got this.
1: Well, what was funny is uh, it's it's the simplest, stupidest answer. Hmm. It was one of those days where like your, your guidance counselor comes around and they give you a book and it's like, different careers and the earnings oh
0: I must have skipped the thing and,
1: and, and job, and job <laughs> outlook really and there was a book on, on film and TV production and it was like in such and such years this job there will be this many jobs available and this the, mm. the workforce is increased exponentially yeah. and I was like well this is cool
0: wow so it
1: was that simple it was like well, okay this is a viable and part of the but part of that is is that I had a family who supported that I have right. a lot of friends who like Might have had similar ideas, but for a long time they've been ingrained more with a traditional mindset of, no, go do this job that makes you money right off the bat. And there's nothing wrong with that because, like, you know, obviously they have probably much more money than I do. (laughs) Uh, But uh, mine were pretty supportive. They were like, all right, do the work. Right. and, And, you know, be diligent and serious about it. I think it's like anything. If you... If you go into that type of business and you're like, I want to be a star. Yeah. Or I want to be this. Okay. But if you go and say, no, I'm going to find a way to work, you'll find a way.
0: Well, that's what's interesting is because I never looked at it until this fucking conversation we're having. If anybody said, I wanted to get into show business, you automatically think acting. And you think about the actor that has to go to Hollywood, that do all these additions and work as a waitress and blah, 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 blah. And like... There is a crew that gets to work every day yeah. on different sets, yeah. and they're just making a livelihood, and it's a pretty decent livelihood yeah. if you think about it. Like, I mean, yeah. it's and amazing
1: craftspeople. Right. I mean, I mean, you've got some of the finest carpenters in the country who are who are building sets. Sets. You've got some of the finest, like, painters and, like, artists who are,
0: mm-hmm. you know,
1: designing props, right. painting sets. I mean, doing art direction. Right. Like, I mean, it's... It's such an interesting field uh, for that.
0: Right. And that's what, like, really interests me about your story is because, like, you went the, like, you fell in love with the more approachable way to go. Yeah. Like, a very, a very rewarding role as well as a very, like, sustainable job.
1: Well, yeah, but I I mean, I did it, I did it kind of for the Captain Ahab reason, it was like, wow, this feels like what I want to do, it's the bigger challenge. Right. Because I had the choice, I mean, I stayed active in theater to a degree in college, and then Mm -hmm. when I was coming out, I, just to actually, to kind of make money, and just to do a thing, I auditioned for a local play, I got like my first professional role on stage, like I was being paid, and toward the end of that, there was, it was like, hey, you can audition for our repertory company, Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, there's a do good work i mean if it goes well you can get this and like so the option was there to do that and i was like well what's the pay they're like 125 dollars a week and i was like oh right uh, it's not but, a lot. but there was a movie down the street and it happened to be terrence malick okay same guy who directed thin red line right and i was like all right this is very nice of you i'm gonna go work on this movie and i just got you know
0: So what did you what did you sign up for? It was a new world. Yeah, correct. Yeah. So Christian Bale. Yeah. Who else was in Uh, this? Colin Farrell. Colin Farrell. Yeah. Uh, Ben
1: Mendelsohn, who's huge now. Right. Christopher Plummer. Yes, Plummer.
0: That's who I wanted to Uh, remember. So basically, it was the Jamestown movie. Right. um, Being filmed here
1: in Waysburg, Yeah.
0: So. Was it like an open open casting call or an open like film call? No,
1: I. It's 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 one of those like unfortunate fortunate parts about the business is that I had a friend, uh, actually one of my one of my best friends. Uh, her good friend was working as one of the production coordinators. Okay, so I was able to get at least get an interview. Okay, and so the like and they, I was like just put me anywhere, and they. Um, they were like okay we got an opening for an intern here and I was like intern they're like yeah you, you know you're not gonna be getting paid but trust me you come to work every day on time it's gonna work out okay I was like all right I'll do it mm-hmm.
0: you know? um,
1: and literally it happened I worked for the first week came on time uh, and I, I got put into the casting department which ended up being very fortunate mm-hmm. um, because the great thing about the casting department is is that you're working with, with the way that we were doing it I was working got to meet first day got to meet Terrence Malik got to sit in a meeting with the producers and it was just like, Holy, you know, you know, like a right. 20, 24 year old, 23 year old kid. Right. Um, so I just showed up on time and, and was like competent for the first week and someone got fired
0: <laughs> and, I, and I took their
1: job. So from there on out for the next six months of this movie, I was, I was getting paid. Yeah. And the, the side effect was I got to work with, um, my, my boss on that was a woman named Jeannie Boisoneau, uh, who was, who had worked on like everything. Um, And she, you know, got, kept me involved, had me making decisions, Mm -hmm. had me learning, like, taught me etiquette most of all, Mm -hmm. taught me, like, time management. And then, like, she would also loan me out to other departments if there was a day we got slow because she knew I had interest in these other things. Right. So, like, I got to go work with the camera department. I got to go work with the props department. I got to go work with the armorer. Like, I was probably, uh, probably not supposed to be loading gunpowder into things. (laughs) Um, that's another story for another time. Um, that I probably, probably, I mean, you know, uh, but I mean, so I had this really, it was a $50 million budgeted film. I think in reality probably they spent a little more than that because they right. asked for money at one point. But um, it was really fortunate. I got to do a little bit of everything. And then that was, you know, I got to work with her on other films. Mm-hmm. In addition, um, her, her husband is a, a, a amazing director of photography. Okay. And I got to work with him. And you know, I learned a lot from him just about etiquette and, and being on set as a cameraman and and, and that type of thing. Wow. So from that, like, thing taking that little bit of leap of faith and having a little bit of luck of knowing someone who knew somebody, mm-hmm. like things kind of grew from there.
0: Right. Yeah. So from there, working on the new world, do you have any like funny stories about Malik or like? Did Christian Bale yell at someone no. and we just didn't have recorders?
1: <laughs> uh, Christian Bale was he was amazingly nice. Was he? The, the God damn it, I Christian bet he is. Bale. Is that like he came in in like, I want to say July or August. Okay. When we had already been filming for at least two months in the Virginia heat. Oof. Dealing with Virginia Humid. weather. Humid. And this yep. was like, you know, this was before climate instability, so it was just always hot. Yes. Now, now you can you can have a, a, a sunny day of seventy somehow in August in Virginia.
0: Yeah, I mean. it's
1: wild. Um, yeah, we're all going to die um, <laughs> sooner rather than later. But like he comes in and he's just in such a cheery mood. He's like, "Hey, everybody, have your ready, ready to go." And he is so positive. Yeah, Batman is so positive because he went. You know, everyone just found out he's Batman at the time.
0: Oh um, yeah, that's right. This is like two thousand six,
1: seven. Yeah, well, we were filming. We were filming two thousand four. So, you know. Oh, yeah, so the movie MV comes from... came out in 2005. Right? Oh, that's right. And so uh everyone was a, like not everyone, but there were a few people who were like this guy, this guy coming in. We've been here for 2 months. I haven't showered in 3 weeks. Right. You know, and he's so positive. But uh you know, every I mean, everyone was was amazingly professional. Um, that's cool. You know, and and uh Colin Farrell I mean, uh You know, he had a reputation at the time, I think, of being a bit of a a playboy and whatever. But the dude did work. Right. Um,
0: Everyone did. He did his job. Yeah,
1: yeah, he was amazing.
0: Right. uh, That's awesome. Yeah. So, from there, after that, where do you go? Because it it doesn't sound like you were filmmaking. It sounds like you were a lot of, like, this guy, that guy. Yeah. A jack on the set. Yeah,
1: yeah. So... I I think it was... um, you know, I used those, those first few films as a chance to, like, learn about different things. Right. Because the next movie I worked on was a Spielberg movie, which was, like, great. It was War of the Worlds. War of the Worlds?
0: You were, I did yeah. not know that. That was completely different. Funny because, enough, I know someone who was an extra on that big hill scene right. that they filmed in Virginia. I, I probably cast them for that.
1: Because the same team, we got picked up to do that. Oh wow Now now the difference with that is Is that like That was a $175 million movie And Spielberg does things differently He (laughs) has very sectionalized teams That go in And he has (laughs) people he trusts and wrote And so With that it was like It was the easiest Like three weeks of my life Wow Yeah and like And I was like okay this is interesting But it was almost too big Yeah, I felt to the point where I felt uncomfortable. It was like, man, there are so many people here. There's so much infrastructure here. Mm -hmm. I just I'm overwhelmed. So I learned that like, uh, okay, maybe 175 million dollar movies aren't a thing that I was comfortable with at the time. But like, I also watched his style, which was he, you know, Malik would pick up a camera and just go directly into a scene, sometimes to the consternation of everyone around him. Right, like uh, you know, he would just stop a car and be like, "Oh, I want to get, I want to get footage of this. Get out of the car." <laughs> and, and, and,
0: uh, There's no cars in the New World, bud.
1: <laughs> like, no, 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 no. I'm talking about like just driving oh, down yeah. and he sees a field. Oh, he's just playing, he, and he's like, "Give me the camera." And, and, I just and, want and, to shoot and, this. And to give and to give co- uh, context, the uh, the cinematographer on the New World mm-hmm. was uh, Chivo Emmanuel Lusbecki. Yes, who, who has won the Academy Award for *Revenant*?
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he was Oh, that's won, beautifully was nominated
1: shot. Or won for *Gravity*, *Birdman*. He shot.
0: Ow, so he's like king of the fucking one-shotters.
1: He's amazing. Yeah, he's, he's an amazing DP. I love Birdman. So imagine and and imagine like the camera being taken. Not that he always operates his camera, but imagine right. imagine a director being taken from him, and oh. he's just like sitting there, like what? Right. Um, whereas Spielberg is like. Okay, I'm going to show up on my helicopter with Tom Cruise literally 10 minutes before first shot. Everything <laughs> Stop is. Stop
0: making me horny. <laughs> like,
1: everything, everything is set for him. Yeah. But the thing is, he does a lot of pre pro work, obviously, and he's yeah. got a team he's worked with that he trusts.
0: Yeah. Well, so it, it was
1: like, you know, I was like watching those styles, and I'm like, I'm probably more the guy who wants to constantly wade into it and micromanage it. You're the Malik. To my own. You no, know, I've, I've, I think I've hopefully evolved past that. But the thing is, I watched that and I watched, you know, and I worked on on a few different movies like that. And I was like, well, I know what I want to do. I want to direct. Yeah. And, you know, at the time I had um, uh, one child and one on the way. And I was like, okay, I can't travel necessarily like everyone else does at, right. the, at that point in my life. Right. We can't just pick up and move to Austin. We can't just pick up and move to L.A. I've got to figure out how to do this here for now right and so I was like I want to learn how to direct and I, I was going back in my mind and I'm like well you know one of my favorite directors is Robert Wise and he's the guy who directed West Side Story Star Trek mm-hmm. The Motion Picture Sound of Music a mm-hmm. uh, bunch of other stuff horror, like a lot of horror films in the 40s and I'm yeah. like that guy learned how to direct by being an editor for Orson Welles and RKO and I'm like and I was thinking about you know, a lot of these guys seems like editing is the way to learn how to do this mm-hmm. so I was like I'm going to go learn how to be an editor okay, and I'm going to use that as my pathway to directing and that's what I did. I, I mean, I, I, I started, you know, I worked for basically a, a company doing, It started out doing like healthcare commercials, that type of thing. Right. And then I went to an ad agency mm-hmm. uh, and eventually, you know, freelance. And when I was freelance, to start transitioning more directing. But like, so that's like the quick version of, I was like, okay, I see how to do this. I know I can't go do it this way. And so it's it's like now, over these past 15 years, that's, that's how I've evolved into directing.
0: Right. And, and eventually...
1: To director of photography which is not something i call myself often but that's how i got involved with you on issues is right that i directed something that was a one shot mm-hmm. and the person producing issues or, was, or at least was crewing issues was like hey we saw this can you come shoot this and i'm like i'm not really a dp i'm more a director and they're like well you'll get to do that too but mainly we need someone who can manage this type of workflow and i'm like Okay, I can do
0: that. Yeah, that's uh, that's funny yeah. because like when you came in being a DP, like I that's how I always felt like you were just the yeah. camera guy, and like through things we've worked on, I've always thought you've gotten great shots. Like, well, yeah, even KRb, like you have great homages and you have great like placement right. of said camera. Yeah. But it, it was it wasn't till KRb. Uh, where I felt like I I understood you as just a director. Right. Like at that point. Yeah. Because like I always felt like you were great with the camera.
1: Well, I mean, which is fine. I mean, it's it's like it's one of those things I think, um, you know, because we just shot, we shot the first eight minutes of a feature recently. Mm-hmm. And I got to use the DP who trained me to get, you know, after all those years, I got to hire him. Right. Um, and we were talking about it. And he's like, you know, yeah, there are people who are, I, I guess essentially cinematographers in certain circumstances, like you know those one-man band types, which is a lot of the work now, where you go out to a shoot and you're like you maybe got a grip and a such and such, mm-hmm. and you're like you know telling them what to do. Right. Um, but I mean, there's a, there's a next level, and sometimes people think I'm at that next level, and I'm that's cool. Um, I'd like to think I could I could get there as a DP, and that's something I've become more interested in, even as a director. It's like I've I've started. As I as I pushed away from editing, it's like okay, you're not always going to direct. Sometimes you're just going to go shoot, right? Um, and but issues was a great stepping stone for that because it got me used to like doing a lot of things that are industry norm now, where you're you know you're using big soft sources of light quickly, right? To like to light your subject so that you get proper wrap on the face and it looks nice and, and, and you know they glow. Yeah, um, you know we were we were ahead of the curve on that by accident.
0: Yeah, I would say so. Well, I mean, like, when the show came out, originally it was just an internet show, a 12-minute show weekly, or not weekly, but you know what I mean. Um, 12-minute, six episodes. And then it became like, oh, no, we're becoming a TV show. Yeah. Locally. And it's like, okay, make a 22-minute version.
1: And and the basis of all that was, like, the scripts were good and the story was good.
0: Mm -hmm. No, yeah, no. Like, Matt Wade's premise for everything and i felt like every character brought their like a game right i loved everybody on that like cast yeah it felt it did feel like and yes it's something a lot of people will not know yeah but like it did feel like one of those things trust me i don't want to keep i don't mean this the way it's going to come out it was definitely Virginia's version of, like, Chits Creek. Yeah. Where it's like, you loved everybody on this show. Yeah. There's not a person that I really felt like didn't get a good play.
1: No, no. I mean, and that was, so that was like, and that was amazingly fortunate to work on that. But do you remember, like, what we had equipment-wise there? Uh, it, it was like, it was like, I came in, I'm like, all right, I got clamp lights, <laughs> which are basically like... All right, I'm gonna to have to find a way to string up and and yeah. for people listening clamp lights are the ones that you buy the silver clamps that you buy at uh, Home Depot mm-hmm. and then you stick a bulb in there yeah and it was like we would rig up a basically take a light stand and put like sequentially down like three or four of those lights and then diffuse that to yeah. create a big source right. Because that's all we had, like, budgetarily.
0: We had nothing. The budget was literally Little Caesars Pizza. It was. That was the budget.
1: But, I mean, that's not a negative. It was just just what we did. And and we got good imagery from it because we understood restrictions. Right. Whereas now, like, looking back over, I guess it's been six years since we shot that. It's been five to six years since we shot the KRB, too. It's like, man, I would love to go back because now I've got, like, just because I've got over time, it's like... You know, I've got enough kit to shoot a uh, you know an indie like that without having to be like, oh god, you know, we're not going to be able to do this because of this. You know, now right. we can, you know, uh, do those things. Um, I don't know if that's made me soft or not. I don't know. Well, I hope that makes me more resourceful.
0: But. Well, I definitely think resourceful because, like, I loved the style of stuff we made. The, the internet has made it possible to be seen. You know what I mean? Where it's like, I feel we're in an age of filmmaking is more of a streaming platform for everybody. Yeah. Where back in the day, it was like, well, how the fuck are we going to even get this on VHS? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like,
1: yeah.
0: that's when it's unattainable. And what you could do now, if you really wanted to make movies, you find good people. Like, I I always praise you. I mean, there's not a freaking day that goes by that I'm not thankful for, like, you helping me achieve my dream. Because, like, it's funny when KRB was originally put, and that goes back to the director of photography thing, where when I was talking to one of the producers of the movie, where... He was like, oh, talk to this guy, talk to that guy, talk to... And I never gelled with those guys. Mm-hmm. I never wanted them to do it.
1: Yeah.
0: But I was just doing the courtesy of like, yeah, yeah I'll, I'll give it to them. And they, they didn't get it. Yeah. Then when you read it and you got it immediately, that was amazing because like... When, and I told Brooke this where it was like, Oh, I'm showing it to Matt. I hope Matt wants to do it because did we already we already did issues. We had done we
1: had done we did a really my episode. episode.
0: Like my written episode. Yeah, yeah, you was, directed and when
1: which was an Indiana Jones episode. Right. But, um which we can we can link for people if they want to see it. Oh, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, we'll we'll link your website um, which has a lot of your films. But like
1: we like your basically your script how not just Indiana Jones. Had a lot of other callbacks, mm. and then I added in like two or three more. Like mm-hmm. I had like a West Side Story bit right in the beginning. Yep, and like a, a Kingsman bit, <laughs> a budget, <laughs> a very budget Kingsman bit.
0: <laughs> um, it was so, very good though. <laughs> so we, we had a
1: shorthand already, and I think like it's it was it was astounding to me when you told me because I remember that you you showed it to a few people and they didn't get it, mm-hmm. and I was like, well, this is like. This is great.
0: What, what, <laughs> what are
1: we talking about, is, people? As I ready to get am like it's right there. And yeah. like, I gave you notes, and like yep. they were minimal notes, and you you did the change. And again, that's like if anybody listening, like if anybody's like, well, why do you choose projects? As far as like independent projects go, it's like well, if you're gonna be working with someone and you know that like you're gonna be cramped on time, you're gonna be cramped on budget, you've got to be able to know that it's gonna be someone who can take a note. Right, and there are so many people who write scripts, mm-hmm. particularly independent and and like you know, um, I guess the garage filmmaking community,
0: right. where
1: you give them a note, and they're like, "Oh, well, I don't know, I, I don't do that like that." Because of this, yeah, and it happened to me recently.
0: Where mm-hmm. the guy
1: just didn't have answers and just didn't be able, couldn't take a note. Right, and I, it's like I'm sorry, I don't. There's only we have a finite amount of time. Right, why go do that? Um, so the people I work with, like you. Um, Eric Pace, I produced the thing mm-hmm. for. Um, there are a couple other scripts in addition to yours that I'm I'm looking at, at working on in hopefully the next year or two years. Yeah, um, there are people who like who can take notes and and like can have conversations about what they're making, right? Um, and I think it's it's so easy when you're trying to to make it and you're already defensive about your ideas, you're defensive about your place in. In filmmaking right you see a lot of people who just like you know think they have to stand firm on certain things it's like no man right it's gonna take it's gonna take at least 30 people to get this thing made we gotta have a conversation
0: yeah we Um, have to make it plausible we have to make it realistic and that's what like with both issues and krb where like i've never been in that i didn't do film school i didn't do that i just looked at how a script's supposed to look like and i did my best which is fine and so that being made with you giving notes like when you gave me notes i felt like oh cool he thinks it's good and we can like make it work because like you just said 30 people are making this thing we all got to do it Right. Like
1: and then that and that goes the other way too because I mean like one of the things that you do really well as a performer is it's not riff. it's I don't think it's riffing. It's taking the next step in mm-hmm. performance sometimes mm-hmm. to where there'll be the written word on the page, but then you'll have something where it's like, well, the character should also say this and should do this and this would be funny. Mm-hmm. So like you have to be open to that right. It can't just be I mean especially in comedy, right like as long as we can get the same thing a couple times, and we've got continuity like you got to be open for performers doing that and I think you have a lot of people who, who want to kind of establish a my way or the highway thing with their performers and it's like right no, no. because I mean the whole you know uh, certainly with stage directing which is something I've gotten into over the last couple of years yeah I want the actor to do that work 'Cause they're gonna know things and have ideas that I can't think of because I'm managing thirteen other things at least.
0: Right. It goes back to what you were saying where you have your hand in every pot. Yeah. So if someone has an idea and they pitch it to you and it sounds okay, cool.
1: Yeah, we're gonna try it. Go for it. And it's like if we got time we're gonna try it. And like sometimes sometimes we don't have time. I mean, right. there have been professional like like high dollar commercial shoots where the producer's like, Hey, can we get this shot? And I'm just like I'm sorry, we we literally in this case do not have time because if if I set up for that shot, I'm going to lose daylight and there's no way we're getting three other scenes. Right. Um, But I mean, a lot of like, I mean, we had things, there's a whole bit in KRB that was pretty funny, but we just, it just, it it didn't work time-wise with the, there was a dummy being.
0: Yeah, being thrown back and forth. I remember that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: And you were like, I'm going to go film it. I'm like, okay, go film it. Here, take this light
0: yeah get what do you do your can. best
1: i've got to get i've got to get this and we're going to try to get it in and the, so yeah. the first cut it was in and it was just like ah we could lose this this would save like a minute and a half if we right. lose this
0: well and that's back to fucking movie making i think that's one of my things that i love is that you know you'll buy a movie and it's like oh here's the extended cut here's right. the deleted scenes and right. stuff like that and it's like these are necessary things that happen yeah. They have to be cut because yeah. the looking at our movie KRB from front to back is just a fun twenty three minute ride.
1: Yeah, which is long for a short. For but, a short. But, but we yeah. you know we did it and it flows well. Yeah. People
0: like it. And like that scene particular, yes, on page it's funny. On just it alone, it's funny. Put in the movie, right. slowed it down, didn't make it cool. So like it's really fun watching that like aspect of movie making that I've never been a part of. Um, Now now you are like you're on the cusp of just changing your whole world. Yeah, you're so in recent. I'd say what the last eight years, ten years, Atlanta has been kind of a big like filming thing. Like Disney does a lot of it and stuff like that. But there's other places. That are becoming filming opportunities. Right. And you're most likely in the next couple of months out of here.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's, yeah, it's a strong possibility. And I was thinking about that the other day. I'm at a cool point to where it's like, man, I can just, I, I can look at all these things now. Uh, because, you know, my, my children are older. Circumstances have changed. So it's like, you know, my, my, old youngest son, my oldest son has moved out. Yeah. Because he's old. Uh, he's not old, but, you know, he's, he's 22.
0: Right. Um, he's a man. He's
1: a man. I was very young.
0: When he, got <laughs> he was uh, a boy, not yet a man. Isn't I mean, that the Britney Spears song? I don't know. Keep yeah. going. Uh, <laughs> and then,
1: you know, my youngest son lives with me, and he's got a couple years left in high school, but, you know, we can. And he's interesting. We
0: he's know. okay with leaving. Yes. He's just, he's like, you know what? I'm here for the education.
1: Yeah. And he's, and he's interested in new places as well. Right. Like you talked about earlier. Like, man, you see some of these larger cities or different places. So like, oh, this is different. Right. Um, so, yeah, now it's it's at that point career-wise where I'm, I'm able to it, – it's not a cockiness. It's a confidence in saying, all right, I know I can do this and this. So I'm ready to take this next step. Right. And I think as a filmmaker, it's like I try to balance – because I work in-house for a place instead of being a freelancer mm-hmm. now – I like that for the next couple of years, mm-hmm. so I try to balance that. But also, I mean, I'm I'm developing a feature, like we you know we filmed the first eight minutes of it. Right. I'm developing other projects with you. I mean, mm-hmm. um, I'm I'm getting I've, I've taken kind of a, a segue into being a, a cinematographer that I didn't expect, where I'm doing that more. Right. Um. So now it's just like yeah, I mean, I can. There's this opportunity to make. To do these things and be open to everything now, which I didn't have before.
0: No. Yeah. yeah. Um, so with moving, because you're thinking about, I don't want to say the state, yeah, yeah, about but like you're thinking about going there and that's going to be more of a take of like, maybe I can get into productions of different films right, yeah. or is it
1: I think I think it's I think for me it's like hey they're they're doing some things commercial wise that I'm really interested in, in doing
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, I mean it's it's not about the brands or anything like that right it's more about hey these people are shooting this type of stuff so I get to work with this type of thing and maybe get to do this type of I because mean, you're always interested in doing is it's like new types of, of, of creativity right um so I think it's it's that and what comes along with that is, is you meet people who are interested in doing other stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think I think for me it's always about kind of having a background to where when we go and ask for money on a movie I can be like, look, you can trust me with your money because I've worked on this and this. I've done this. I've been entrusted with this by these people. Right. So you don't have to, this isn't, you know, I'm not, I'm not some 20-year-old coming out of his, you know, which Hey, so there's good probably, for you. There's probably some 20-year-old who's the greatest filmmaker ever right? in a house in Ohio right now who we yeah. don't know yet. But I'm
0: J.J. Abrams.
1: Just literally. <laughs> there's, there's, there's always, you know, it's like, it's like quiet. It's always a bigger fish. Yeah. And yeah like, nice. um, So for me, it's like it's building up that credibility and, and continuing to learn new things because I don't know everything. Right. Like I screw up two things a day and I learn like hopefully three or four things a day. So as long as I keep it like that ratio, it's good
0: nice oh well, i hope uh all the best for you uh we're getting near to the bottom of this glass yeah. so i'm gonna uh, rock out some speed questions okay and then we're gonna wrap this puppy up okay all right speed question number one favorite film
1: favorite film uh excalibur oh no shit. yeah because it's great because like it's, it's like this this romantic fantasy there's battle mm-hmm. uh there's a man who's wearing full armor and oh, having yeah. sex with a woman
0: helen Marin. helen maron <laughs> <laughs> if you want to see helen Miron young which blew my mind recently because i watched excalibur as a kid yeah. and enjoyed it and it was the first time that like i it's weird you'll get where i'm going with this i saw excalibur but i also at the same about time saw monty python's holy grail right so like it was weird watching the same kind of movie being told differently so excalibur phenomenal patrick stewart yeah trying to grab that sword
1: it's it's not the best movie ever made no but but damned if it's not amazing
0: i love it i'm glad i watched it maybe a year ago maybe a year ago and i was like holy shit they're all trying it's great. But again, if you want to see Helen Mirren, and, mm, Helen yeah. Mirren's Helen Mirren. She's amazing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay. Uh, have you ever walked out of a film? Yes. What film?
1: It was... Uh,
0: Killer it was... Reunion, bro. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no.
1: I sat through that at least five times. At like least. Screenings in theaters.
0: Award winning.
1: Um, um, it was The Black Mask. It was a Jet Li movie in the <gasps> 90s. I know that movie. And I was just, I think, like, I wasn't, like, really, like, I didn't really understand, like, wire are food that well, and I didn't understand the whole vibe. And, man, my friends and I were in high school, and we're just like, oh, my God, this is terrible. Yeah. And so we got up, and we walked. It was at the Regal in Pembroke Mall here, which used to be the only THX Regal. It was the best Regal. What? Yeah. It,
0: Pembroke Mall?
1: Pembroke Mall, late 90s, had the only THX certified theaters.
0: You're telling me Greenbrier didn't have... In the
1: late 90s, no. They had, they, had, they had... It was a Regal, but they didn't have These were the best theaters.
0: Okay. Like, this is
1: before it started to smell like corn chips. and. <laughs> it
0: dude, Primbrook was rough.
1: It was rough, but that's where I saw... Phantom is
0: there a dog? Because like, uh, I'm rough. Yeah. Okay. But
1: no, I came out and I like, uh, was talking to the manager for all of us. There was like eight of us, and I'm like, dude, you got to give us comps. He's like, well, you already went to the movie. I'm like, look, this movie is so bad. Right. Like he just flies across the
0: room. <laughs> it makes no sense.
1: So, like, I sure like, I go like back and watch it now and be like, well, this is an amazing. Uh, uh, this is amazing based on what was coming out of the market at that time. You know, yeah. It just influenced this and this. But back then I was like, this is terrible.
0: Okay. Well, you know what? I love that you were trying to get comp tickets. We did. At, you got them.
1: Everyone, all eight of us got comp tickets.
0: I don't think there's a soul in the world that could leave a movie and go, hey, this is why you need to give me tickets because this movie's bad. You're the only man that I think could do this. I, I did. I'm proud of you. Because okay. you're talking to a guy that like, oh, I've been bullshitted once in my life at the movies. We went to um, Doctor Strange mm-hmm. right here, yeah. Cinemark. We paid for the 3D uh-huh. XD. And I was like, oh yeah, the Doctor Strange needs this movie uh, for 3D and stuff. Um, we go, it's blurry. I'm like, why the fuck? Like, I'm taking off the glasses. I'm doing the whole bit. And I'm like, this is dumb. I go out and tell management. And they're like, oh, you came to the later screening, which is 3D. The earlier one was 2D. So we didn't switch correctly.
1: Oh, they messed up the projection.
0: Okay, cool. Well, do it again. So we're five, six minutes into the movie. They started over. Come back. Still blurry. Okay, what's going on? Same six minutes play. Stop. Start over. Another six minutes go by and I'm like, I'm done with this. Go outside. You know what this motherfucker had the audacity to say? Oh, the director sent us the wrong print. The director? Oh. Listen to me, pal. Scott Derrickson <laughs> is not sending out prints. <laughs> hey, Scott Derrickson isn't sending out prints. B, we live in a digital world. What are you talking about? Like, we're not in 1989's Batman Like, we're dealing with today. So, he was like, what I'm going to do is put on the 2D version, and then we'll give you comp tickets. I was like, whatever you want to do, whatever you have to go to bed to tell yourself, but, like, don't sit here and tell me Scott Derrickson's book bag had a reel, and he gave you the wrong one. Ridiculous. It's amazing. The audacity. And it's hard for me to watch that movie now because the first six minutes I have a hard time with It's just it. always going to be blurry in your mind. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What is the best day you've ever had on a set? The
1: best day? I've yeah.
0: Like, what was the best day you had filming something? Oh, man. Because you, hey, think about it. Because guess what? Think about what the next question going to be. Uh-huh. <laughs> Oof. You're gonna to have to come in hot, and then that second one's gonna be even hotter.
1: Man, the best day, you know, because I like to say the best one's always the next one. Okay. Um. So I'm gonna I'm gonna cheat and say it was the last. It was the last thing we filmed in. Um, the big the big thing we filmed in September. Okay. Um. Because that way that way when you understand the next one's always the best one, like you understand why it's not. I mean, because there are moments from each one. Like, there's, yeah. there's, like, a moment in KRB where we're filming inside a cabin and you and Matt Waiter just riffing. Just riffing on, on each on other. On the necklace an ambulance. ambulance, ambulance. Yeah. And that's, like, that's something that, 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 like, stands out because I just got to hold the camera and, like, you guys just did the work. I'm like, this is great. This right. is great. This is right. great. Right. Um, but it was, you know, we rented this house from the 1760s that had been renovated since then, obviously. But it was a, I mean, it was an old house. And right. we had a crew of like, I want to say eight to ten people. Yeah. Relatively very small crew. Right. And I, you know, about four or five cast, four cast. Um, and it was just being out there and I, you know, I was working with, with, you know, the DP who had trained me. He was my director of photography. Yeah. Um, and I was working with, you know, people I really respect, uh, you know, um, and it was like that moment of, man, we're, in this great location filming this thing that you know uh that justin kosh wrote um that's just amazing and uh you know you're like wow this is this is the type i think i've been working to like you know money being paid is important and and, yeah and recognition is important but getting into the nuts and bolts and just making something that looks good in that moment and that you feel good about the performance is good yeah you know that's that's the best thing you can feel
0: What's the worst thing? Oh, man. <laughs>
1: oh, God. Hey,
0: what was the worst day on set you've ever had?
1: That's easy. <laughs> um, and I don't like to talk too much about it.
0: Okay. Oh, I love this. Um, we can. You can change the names. There you can... was a project I was working on mm-hmm. years ago. Okay. Years ago where someone
1: got shot. What? Yes
0: and Ugh.
1: yes and um we it was just chaos yeah and because so, at the time we thought someone had taken a shot of us from nearby so we had to evacuate quickly what and get out quick and we had to get the person out quick safely who who had been shot um
0: and you know everything like happened. was it a part of the scene or was it like this is happening and then all of a sudden <coughs>
1: It was this is happening, and all of a sudden, yeah, due to, due to,
0: where um, you were,
1: it was uh, holy shit. Yeah, and it was like because the first thing you're thinking is, oh my god, my, my, my career, right? You know, because well, well, that's not the first thing. The first thing, no, is, the person,
0: the right, person. right. So right, once right, that right. person
1: is safe, and you get confirmation, confirmation they're safe, right? And you, everyone else is safe. You come down from that. And you're yeah, like,
0: you got to think about that. You're things.
1: like, oh god. You're like, you're like Bill Murray in, the, in Life Aquatic. When he opens up the safe <laughs> oh, and the back of the safe is gone, you're like, well, I'm retired. Uh, so, like, let, let me put that clear. It's like, yeah. everyone was safe. Yeah. We knew everyone was safe and that the person who had been shot was okay. Yeah. So that was the good part. And then it was like, oh, oh God, I'm dead. Right, exactly. Um, How
0: does this finish up?
1: Yeah. Um, that was... That was obviously the worst day. But luckily, yeah. um, you know, they made a recovery. Everything everything worked out. I'm really fortunate they made a recovery. Good.
0: Um, That's that, great. You,
1: know, you never want... Your, your first thing as director is you, you want safety. And this was something I was taught. And I don't ever want people on anything I'm doing to feel unsafe. Right. Um, or to be unsafe. Right. Um, and so you feel responsible so when people do get hurt it's like god this is this is my responsibility even if you know you know that you there are a hundred different safeguards you put in and that likely the responsibility if something goes wrong if you've done your job the responsibility will fall at a specific breaking point you're like okay this is how we handle that but like internally you're like man i just i hope that person's okay and that's your first concern so yeah, yeah that was the worst.
0: Okay, that that makes sense. That makes sense. I'm glad it wasn't the first night of Killer Heat, yeah. bro. You really stepped it up. <laughs> yeah, it's really good. Yeah. Um, what is one IP intellectual property that you would really love to work on? If you like, it doesn't have to necessarily be your favorite that you've grown okay. up with. Okay. but if there was a playground you want to go dance in.
1: Oh, that'd be, that's easy. that'd be Green
0: Lantern. Oh, really? I always thought Green
1: Lantern was incredibly cinematic.
0: Um, yeah.
1: There's so much you can do with it because it can be Earth-based. It can be, like...
0: Space. Galaxy-based. Right.
1: I mean, yeah, I would love to do a Green Lantern, like, thing.
0: Anything. Yeah. Wow. Which
1: maybe, you know... They're, they're, that's they're, wild. They're working towards doing a show. Maybe one day I could direct an episode of the Green
0: Lantern show. Dude! Yeah. I'm pushing. I'm Indeed. pushing for it because guess what? You're leaving... You're yeah. making dreams happen. It, I would love to finally get that DVD cover from the episode of Blah Blah. Killer reunion, bro. Yeah. <laughs> I got the posters ready. It's just in the, in the <laughs> Oh, we didn't, we didn't get to the, 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 the funny
1: bit. I so, okay. All right. We'll, we'll, we'll do that.
0: That's funny because I've been really, no, this will be it. We'll, we'll wrap it with this. So, you are a director. Yeah. You came in guns blazing being like, I got notes. Yeah. So you said you have a note of something. So I went down a rabbit hole.
1: Because we were, we were talking to Brooke in, Brooke in the first episode. God damn it. And like, <laughs> you were talking about like what she likes to do for activities and that yes. type of thing. And, and, and you guys going out, doing stuff. Yeah. And you you're talking about how like um, basically she didn't, there was a certain, some certain sense where she didn't want to go out and do a thing. So okay. why you guys just wanted to stay home. Okay. And like, so you meant to say, well, you know, sometimes you're a bit of a homebody. Yes. But, but you called her homely.
0: Did I really?
1: So Because you said homely. And I was like, did you mean to say that? And I looked it up. So homely means unattractive. <laughs> <laughs>
0: and I was like,
1: I was like, and, and to put it in context.
0: Look, words, you've upset the ghosts. There, there's
1: no... There is no circumstance in which uh in which uh, Brooke can be called No
0: None. No, she is fucking gorgeous. Exactly. And yeah. I was like, I was like okay. But yeah, then I was like,
1: I remembered another word, I'm like, well wait a minute. There's another word that I used to see <laughs> oh, in books. It yeah. was like it's it's in like older novels, you see it and it's it's spelled C O M E L Y. Okay. Which is which is pronounced cumly. Right? <laughs> Comely means that a person is rather pleasant to look at. So I'm like, but then I was like, I'm like, oh wait, maybe. She is totally comely. She's comely. But also, the word is pronounced comely, which is hilarious because I'm a child. So, like, A, at least you've not been paying attention. Yeah. And B, um, yeah.
0: I'm still standing. Yeah. Yeah. Good call. Well, I would like to apologize to Brooke right now. You are not homely. You are definitely comely. <laughs> <laughs> you are a homebody.
1: Yes.
0: But yes. you are a comely homebody. Yes, yeah, a comely homebody. Comely homebody. Yeah. So the next time you talk to Brooke, make sure you let her know she's a comely homebody. Yeah. <laughs> a CHB baby. All right. Well, uh, Matt, thank you for the note. Yeah, okay. That's why you're a great director. Um, I would like you to uh, plug your website, sure. films, everything that you want to do right now. Uh, sure. Uh, website is simple. It's
1: www.mattbirchfield.com. That's with a U. B-U-R-C-H-F-I-E-L-D. Uh, the cool thing about that site is is that you get uh, you get insight to my you know day-to-day work, but also at the bottom... Uh, you'll see uh, a lookbook and information on the feature that we're working on right now, which is called uh, Till Death, yep. which is a, a, a slasher set in 1981. Uh, very much a thriller, kind of a mix of Halloween and It Follows as far as the vibe. Nice. If that helps. Yeah. Um, so we're, you know, we've shot the first eight minutes of that, and then we're going to be shopping around those first eight minutes to get the rest of our funding. Um, and you also see some of my theatrical resume on there. I've, I've started directing theater again in the last couple of years professionally. Uh, and yeah, that's that's type. of And you can also follow me on Twitter. There, you can find all the links to to harass me. You can even add me on Facebook. <laughs> I, mean, I might not accept it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm, you can press request. You can press
1: request. I don't even know if I'll see it because I, I go on
0: Facebook so little. Anymore. What a fucking power move! Yeah. You can request to follow you can request. me. Request yeah Uh,
1: but yeah that's that's the best way to find all the info because that'll that'll link you up to it
0: awesome awesome and also he directed uh killer reunion bro which is on Amazon right now not prime they took us off prime now you have to pay for the goods well they realized they got so many views they were like no we gotta make money off this thing yeah
1: they're they're just curious as to how many women i could convince to pay for that movie (laughs)
0: What a story for another time. Matt Birchfield, thank you for uh, visiting the speakeasy and uh, having a conversation with me.
1: Thank you very much.
0: All right. Y'all have a good night. Remember, uh, follow us on Instagram at Zach Speakeasy and Untap, same deal. And we were drinking from the Answer Brewery. Uh, we were drinking, what is this? What is it? The Winter Warmer?
1: Yes. The Winter? Ernesto's Ale. No. The style is winter warmer.
0: Delicious. So look up the answer. They're in Richmond, Virginia. Once again, drink safely, be safe, and comely. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you subscribe so you're notified when a new episode is posted. And please remember to always drink responsibly.